This is Tony Warner, and you are listening to the Fulham Focus Podcast. My mama always said, the championship is like a box of chocolate. You never know what you're going to get. That is indeed how we all feel after Saturday. Was it a blip? Should we be worried? Did Forrest play dirty or were they actually spot on against us? Me, myself, Reese, and I, Frenchie, are here to discuss it all. Welcome to the Fulham Focus Podcast. But first, thanks to Tony Warner. Thanks to Tony Warner for opening the show. The Scouse goalkeeper made 21 appearances for Fulham in the Premier League and in a podcast special with Danny Boy explained how Fulham held a special place in his heart for being the club that fulfilled his dream as a Premier League player. You can hear the full interview by scrolling through our list of shows on your podcast app. Tony Warner, we salute you. All right, let's do this. Fulham. Right, guys, here we are. It is a heat wave. It is hot. And it is the day before Bank Holiday Monday. But whenever you're listening it, I'm sure you're still hot from the weekend that has just ensued. Now, Mr. Beclair, what did you think of that game? We are opening thoughts on that. Let's not talk about the lineup. It was the same. Uh, yeah, disappointing. Mm. I think when teams come to stifle you rather than dictate the play to you, then you know you're a good side. And that's what Forrest did. The possession showed that. I think they ended up winning with 23% possession. It, it seemed to be, when we were 1-0 down, it seemed like we were we were going to equalise at some point. I felt like we were going to score. Uh, then they scored against the run of play. Um, just a bloody frustrating day. But I, I think we need some perspective. And the perspective that I'll give you is the whole Berry situation, which we don't need to go into too much, but they've... They've just been saved on on Friday evening, thankfully. So an, another professional football club and their supporters will will carry on playing, hopefully. And it just goes to show you that losing at home uh, to Nottingham Forest when you've won three games already and you sit fifth in the league after the first few games isn't the end of the world. Yeah, absolutely. And if I'm being honest, I'm not entirely surprised with the result that it was because if you look at Nottingham Forest, they have got an incredibly decent side. You know this. I'd sort of mentioned this when we were doing the Millwall uh, podcast on Wednesday, Tuesday, whenever it was. It's already been out of my mind. Um, the not every single opponent we're going to face this year is going to be as easy to play against as Millwall. So the fact that we've, you know, basically it was, it was a humbling performance in a way, and a humbling result because this was just, you know, a bit of a, a much more, a bit of a wake up call again. You know, similar to Barnsley, where everyone thought we were going to just roll, roll all over them. This was just a reminder that. No, we're not going to get everything our own way in the championship. Yes, we may be, you know, bookies' favourites to finish in the top two, you know, in amongst the uh, promotion challenge and somewhat. But we're not going to get every single game go our way like Mill. There are going to be teams like Nottingham Forest, and there's going to be plenty more down the road that are going to do the same. That as good as we are, though, if we can't finish off moves, if we can't. Um, don't make the most of that seventy-seven percent possession or whatever the high amount was. Then, then they're gonna, then we're gonna get punished. One thing I will say though is that I've noticed it started to build in in the first couple of games. There's an expectant atmosphere at Craven Cottage at the moment. 
in a non-toxic way. So what I mean by that is that it almost seems like we're right behind the players and we're kind of expecting them to, to deliver something, um, but we're not arrogant in the fact that we expect them to do so. Um, I, I quite like that. I, th I think it's it's a good way to be and it, it should breed confidence as time goes on because there'll be plenty of other times when teams come and defend against us like Forrest did and try and hit us on the break like, like they did very successfully on Saturday. Um, but they won't get away with it and we'll, we'll end up hammering them. So I think we're in a good position. And and I don't think the fact that the Riverside stand is is closed and completely empty is a factor at all at the moment. I think there's a good atmosphere in the ground and, and I think that will only get better as we continue to grow. Yeah, um, just, and just one other point. Um, I know this because I cover Forest a lot with what I do for work. So I saw, I was sort of expecting what was going to be, what was going to be coming on, but you notice that um, uh, Joe Lolly and Lewis Grabben, for instance, have been a partnership. They played a lot together last year. Michael Dawson and uh, Worrell, the central defender, played a lot together last year. They've been together as a team. You know, look at you know, look at our starting lineup. Stephen Stephen, I'm going to go to my grave not knowing how to pronounce that. Stephen Sessignon has only been in the in the club what two weeks. How many games have Mawson and Ring played together, for instance? Ivan Caballero, Mitrovic, and Ocar have only been, you know, a trio for a couple of weeks. So all these things are going to get going to take time to build. And again, we're going to come unstuck against teams, you know, in the championship that have been together for you know for long for longer periods. Ah, uh, but Baldo, I've got a bone to pick with you as well because you and I met up before the game yesterday, and we oh, went into trouble. Yeah, we went into the Hammersmith end, and you went swanning off. Oh, I need to go in my lucky, lucky turn style. What's, <laughs> what, what lucky turn style is that? We got beat. No, I don't care what you say. It's a lucky turn style. The first year I did it was 2005-06, the year we finished. I think it was eighth. We won 13 home games. It was the year. It was the year we beat uh, Chelsea at home. It was the year we beat Liverpool at home. It was the year we had. The year we only won one away game, the one at Man City. It was lucky for me then. I'm sticking with it. I don't care how many times it doesn't work out. It's a superstitious thing. They don't always work out, but when they do, it's the that's the reason why. Well, tell me, I mean, like, what was the atmosphere like when you guys were there? Did you did you usher the builder to give you away with the flag? That looked excellent, by the way. Oh, that was brilliant. He is going to be a cult hero. I, assuming it's the same guy that you know that does it every week. I don't know if maybe there's like a shift pattern rotating. If he's going to be there on Tuesday, or if, you know, maybe someone else who works the night shift is going to have to do it. I don't know, but if that could be something that goes on throughout the season, it's going to be brilliant. Just as a just as a quick aside, I feel like somebody's had a word with him though, because for the first couple of games, he was he was getting some, um, you know, when he was going to get the ball, everyone was like, Ooh, and he wasn't he wasn't acknowledging it. Then somebody gave him a flag yesterday, and all of a sudden he was in his element. It was brilliant. Yeah, I mean, it looked fantastic. I mean, you only had to see, I mean, from the first game, sorry, the first home game uh, against Millwall, just him standing there. And the, the, I just knew there was going to be a bit of a cult following, as Reese says there earlier. Um, but let's just quickly get my thoughts. I mean, I think I agree with a lot of what you just said there, Mr. McLeod. I don't think there is anything to worry about. I think, you know, if we, if someone said to us after, you know, five games in we were in the playoff positions I'll take that I think we still have a lot of gelling to do and I think we thought we would just roll over the next team after Millwall it's not that simple it never is in the championship especially a team like Nottingham Forest now a lot of people say they time wasted that we should have had you know an, an extra amount of time or whatever an injury time 
I think they played us perfectly. I thought they played us absolutely spot on. And I, I mean, I actually applaud them. I think, you know, it's just a shame that unfortunately we couldn't counter out. Yeah, I don't think we can really, you know, Stephanie Hansen, the you know, name drop of the, the cult hero, is has got a bit of a reputation for, you know, poo-housery, because I like to keep this thing PG, has got a reputation for poo-housery and all that sort of stuff. So for us to then sort of criticise Nottingham Forest for what they do, it, 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 it would smack of hypocrisy. I, you know, I didn't have an issue with what they were doing. They they took that rule and they bent it to the absolute maximum. And, you know, I can only applaud it for that. And in fairness, we got eight minutes out of it. It wasn't as if they did all that time wasting and then we got three. You know, they had their come up, not come up because, you know, we didn't get the, we didn't get that eight equaliser, but it, the, the, it all played out in the end. You know, we had the time given back to us. So it's not as if we can talk and complain about what, about what they did. If we were winning away at a team that were, were flying high and Bessinelli was time-wasting, he wasn't even that badly time-wasting, but it was just the fact that that keeper was stood in front of us uh, at the Hammersmith end and he wasn't in any particular hurry. Um, but if Bessinelli was doing that, we'd be loving it. And you can't you can't criticise when the boot's on the other foot. And the fact that we still had all that possession, regardless of the gamesmanship that was perhaps going on from Forrest, and we still couldn't put the ball in the back of the net, well, then we deservedly lost, I'm afraid. Well, let's talk about the opening goal. I mean, it happened pretty quickly. I mean, it was only just a quick notification in our WhatsApp group <laughs> to find out that we'd we'd um, conceded a goal quite soon after the first whistle blew. Reese, what were your thoughts on that? I thought, I mean, it's hard because this this game, I actually feel like all the goals, all the moves done by Forrest were quite, you know, Admirable. I, I sort of tipped my cap off them for the job they did in us. I thought the the passing and the counter attack that resulted in the opening goal was actually very good. What are your thoughts? Yeah, exactly. You know, if we scored that sort of goal, we'd be lauding it as you know a contender, as a contender for goal of the season. I thought you know Joe Lolly did an excellent job winning the ball back, ran at the ran at the defence, sprayed it across to um, whoever was on the left hand side. It was uh, fullback Robinson. Forget his first name. It uh, shouldn't have been in that much space, if I'm being you know, brutally honest. I think that's one of the points where um, Sessegnon, the second, you know, again, a little bit more coaching, a little bit more experience, or maybe whoever the winger was on that side, tracking back a bit more, you know, could have been caught out, but nothing too major. And then a very good ball into the box, and Lewis Graben, an experienced championship striker, was, was there to finish it. You can't really say we did anything wrong, apart from maybe... Uh, tracking, uh, tracking uh, Robinson, who the guy across the ball. But other than that, it was just a, it was just a very good goal. I think it's more you know a credit to them rather than we did rather than we did something bad. I completely agree with you. I thought it was a great goal. What's a goal? Nice passing across um, to the left wing. Perfect ball into the middle. Very difficult to defend against. If we'd scored that, we'd be queuing over that all week. Fantastic goal. I don't think there was any anything. Defensively, we could have done differently, but in my own opinion. And sometimes you just, like you say, you just have to say, "Well played." Yeah, exactly. I mean, for this. I mean, Forest tactics. I mean, Forest didn't just sit back trying to cut off Fulham's passing lanes. They also put instant hard pressure on the ball. And the combination of those two tactics forced Fulham to have to sit back in their own half more, which is what managers like Scotty and Slav want anyway. Let's talk about the second goal. I mean, a bit of a mistake by Steven Sessegnon. And I thought, actually, the, the rescue from Ream was even worse, in, in my opinion. I mean, I just think Steven Sessegnon is a bit more 
has a bit more excuse to make a mistake like that. But what what are your thoughts? Um, I yeah, again, I'm not going to get on uh, Stephen Sessignon's back too much, and I thought. It was something that I pointed out to our friend and colleague Morgan, who sat who sat next to me during the game. It was something that you know, Alfie Mawson and Anthony Knockhart, right after, um, right after he conceded the goal, they both went up to him and sort of gave him a, a bit of encouragement. You know, forget about it, move on, sort of thing. Again, it's gonna it's gonna be something that's gonna be eradicated when he gets more game time or experience, so on and so forth. So again, I'm not gonna hold on to him too much for that. You mentioned the you know sloppy. Uh, you know, clean up job to put it one way. The Tim Ream did. I'd quite like to have a word, well, not have a word with, but have a word about Harry Arter, who I think could have done a lot better job of uh, of bringing Lewis Graben down before he even got to Tim Ream. And it, it was a bit of a shambles, sort of all round. Sachin uh, giving the ball away, Arter not doing enough to get, win the ball back, Ream being beaten easily, and Bettinelli, yeah, could have done, could have done better, should have done better. I don't know. That's something. That's something for anyone who's better at goalkeeping than me to understand and just and decipher. So it was a, it was a bit of a shambles all round. You know, this would you know contrasted to the first goal, which was you know well done to them all round. You know, take take it back the other way. This was you know every single thing could have been prevented on our end. So it was a bad goal for us to concede. Yeah, I I, I think that it's all very well saying how well Stephen Sessegnon's done. In the last couple of games, it's very easy to praise somebody when they're playing well, but it's how they react once they've made a mistake that shows you what type of character they are. And we we don't know at the moment, but looking at how good his brother was, I would expect him to bounce back from that mistake and carry on playing very well. But lesser men might have their confidence completely shattered by an incident like that and be a complete shrinking violet. But I would expect that Stephen Sessegnon will bounce back and come back stronger from that. And I I use the same analogy with Scott Parker as well. And it's all very well judging a manager when they've got an excellent set of players in front of them and saying how well they're doing, um, given the start we've made to the season. But it's how they react once, once we've lost the game and unexpectedly lost the game, I might add, at home. Um, but I fully expect him to come back stronger. Yeah, and you talk about uh, confidence bouncing back. Stephen Stephen Sessignon, for instance, you know, after that goal, after he gave that goal away, he came, you know, came out the other end, had a very good shot, near almost scored. So I think he's managed to bounce back incredibly well from there. And I don't think put another foot wrong the rest of the game. You know, of, uh, I, I, can't, I can't think of any off the top of my head, but the fact that I can't think of any, so, you know, there weren't any glaring errors that he made. So obviously he did manage to bounce back, you know, pretty well, pretty well afterwards. Defenders make mistakes, as do goalkeepers. And when they make mistakes, then often they uh, they lead to goals. And so they're highlighted more. But, you know, if um, if a striker misses a chance, this is an, an analogy that's been used many times in the past, but if a striker misses a chance, then they'll get another chance. But if a defender makes a mistake and it leads to a goal, then it's highlighted much more. So... I don't think we should be too hard on on Stephen Sess for that, and um, and I'm sure he'll he'll come back better, as I said. Well, Mr. Beclair, you also said there that goalkeepers make mistakes. Now, I'm not just I'm not trying to be just sort of like a troll here. I'm just interested. Do you think that Marcus Bettinelli could have maybe done a bit better to get his hands there for that shot? I don't think he could have done better to get his hands there, but that the incident kind of happened so quickly, and I guess. 
as a goalkeeper, I would have, um, I, I would think that Bettinelli was expecting his defenders to do better um, and stop that ball from coming through because it's almost like Graben just walked through, didn't he? And all of a sudden, he, he had an angle and he pinged it in right into the top corner. All right, as a goalkeeper, you don't you don't like to see a goalkeeper beaten at his near post, and I'm sure Bettinelli will be disappointed that he was beaten at his near post. But it was a powerful shot, um, and I don't really think he had much of a chance to save it. Maybe his positioning could have been slightly better, but as I say, I just feel like he didn't have much chance to, to get into a decent position based on what he ma- he must have been expecting his defenders to do. Yeah, very good. And I, I also say, you know, with Stephen Sessions' mistake, it was lovely to see our players. I mean, a, a bunch of them run up to him as soon as we conceded just to reassure Stephen Sess that these things happen and it's okay. That was really lovely to see. Um, you know, I, I actually think that this the second goal they conceded, it was, you know, it was a mistake by us that caused it. And I, I find it almost quite reassuring that sort of goal was what won it for them because even though I think the first goal that we conceded was incredibly good, well managed, well fought out goal, great passing, great counter-attack. Teams aren't going to be able to score goals against us like that. We do need to sharpen up, absolutely, but they are going to be able to do it. However, I think in the fact that that a mistake is what made it 2-1 makes reassures me that five games in will be okay. We will tighten up. We will get better. Because if you just look at the stats, I honestly do think, as you've both said, that this is just a blip and it's going to be okay. But, I mean, let's talk about what we tried to, how we tried to respond to this. I mean, we went through a... Bit of three at the back, which Parker seems to like doing with Maxime Lamarchon. But this time, we actually just had Reem, Mawson and Brian at the back. And Kamara came on for Stephen Sessignon with 16 minutes left. And, you know, we eventually got a goal from that decision because AK-47 got a very nice assist leading up to Mitro. I mean, what are your thoughts on that, Mr. Reese? What do you think of Abubakar Kamara's, you know, deserves a little bit of applause for that, surely? Um, Yeah, I think he's gotten a tough ride from a lot of the Fulham fan base again quite rightly so I think that I think there are going to be a lot of people who just quite who aren't going to be able to forgive him for the whole yoga incident that whole kerfuffle that led to him leaving in leaving in January there's there's going to be a lot that aren't going to be able to you know get over that but I I said before he's not a starter he's an impact sub and he clearly made an impact yes He's the reason he's on the bench is because he's not a very good footballer. If he was a good footballer, he would not be on the bench for a championship side. Okay, let's just sort of park that. Everyone who's expect who's expecting him to have you know a great touch and ability to drill past someone, if he if he could, he'd be in a, he'd be in a better club than us. Okay, so let's just calm it down on that. But he can make an impact off the bench. I'm not a very good. Know, I'm not a very good footballer. I'm not on the bench. Well, okay, fine. Point taken. But the fact is, he can make an impact every so often. And he clearly did. Whilst his performance wasn't the greatest, he clearly did something because he managed to get the assist for Mitrovic to get us back back in the game. So I think anyone who's still slating and says, no, he he doesn't deserve a place. You know, he doesn't deserve to be in the team. Or, you know, there's what a couple of days left of the international transfer market. Let's ship him out somewhere. Again, I think everyone just needs to calm it down slightly, slightly on that on that front. But what about the substitution that Parker made at half time, though? Um, bringing on Bobby Reed for Steph Joe. I mean, uh, it was a, an attacking substitution, and it was obviously made with the uh, with the mind to get us back into the game. But I barely noticed Bobby Reed was on the pitch. No, I I completely agree that I did notice. I didn't notice anything that Bobby Reed did. You know, 
it was probably the right substitution, all things considered. You know, because it, it gets to a 4 2 3 1 Arter and Kearney midfield read, sort of playing off Mitrovic. When you're a goal down, it seems like the right uh, substitution to make. But for some reason, again, maybe it's just credit to Forrest for what they were able to do. It just didn't, it just didn't quite come up. But I'm not going to sort of criticize Parker for, for his logical thing, for, for the logic behind it. But then where do you play Bobby Reed to get the best out of him? Because I'd rather he was on the pitch and not on the pitch. And I've said on this show a few times so far that, you know, he's not signed for Fulham to, to play on the bench, to, to be, a, be a substitute. So, J-Mac, what do you reckon, mate? Well, my thoughts are I agree with you. I thought the substitution was a bit off and I thought, yeah, Johansson was actually playing really well. I didn't think he needed to come off at half time. Um, in... Looking at the stats of where Bobby Reed scored all his goals uh, two seasons ago for Bristol City, um, I mean, he though they were in a position of playing as a number 10, uh, an attacking midfielder. And the problem is, at the moment, we have Tom Kearney in that position, who's actually done quite well. However, he did have a bit of a flat one, it seemed, this game. Not hugely, and so did Knockart to an extent. But we were huffing and puffing. It wasn't like we were completely blunt. But I, I agree. I think, you know... Reed will need to start, and it was only a matter of time until I think we'll see Reed at that number ten, and Kenny perhaps just taking a step back with Arta. Uh, I, I, that's how I think it's going to happen. But what are your thoughts on that, Mister Reese? Yeah, it's a bit of a tough one because Bobby Reed, for as much as people may want to play him, the question is who do you then take out of the system um, to to give him a game? Does it is you know you? Does it have to be Stephanie Johansson? Does it, you know, have to be maybe Tom Kearney? Maybe does he have to play a bit of a reduced role? Something I don't think anyone, any of us can even sort of even fathom at some stage to give us, you know, Johansson and Arter as protection in front of the back four, then Bobby Reed is sort of playing off Mitrovic, Caviero, Knockart either side. It's it's a it's a bit of a tough one. And you know, as much as Frenchie said, he's not gonna he, he didn't come to Fulham to play on the bench. Well, until we find somewhere to put him, I'm afraid that's where he's going to have to be for the foreseeable future. Yeah, I, I think it's inevitable that Reed is going to be a starter for us, but just it's still a mystery where. Um, I mean, I think Johansson has actually really upped his game uh, recently. I mean, everyone thought that he was actually, it was going to be a formation of Reed, Arter, and Tom Kearney and, uh, as starters in the central midfield. And I actually think Johansson's really stepped up and I'm really glad he's just recently extended his contract, but we'll talk about that later. Look, let's talk about, you know, Christie then came on for Mawson with three minutes left to go, leaving just one central defender on the pitch in Tin Ream. Uh, Mr. McClare, quick question. Do you think, should, should Ream have had a penalty for a handball at some point? Um, no, I, I, I don't know. It's difficult. Um, at the time, I didn't think it was a penalty. He's kind of had a shot and the bloke was point-blank range, kind of threw his body in front of it. I've seen it again on the TV since and I think the replays are, are inconclusive as well. I wouldn't I wouldn't say it was a penalty personally, but um, Tim Reams was incensed and then Knockhart went over to the linesman and he was right up in his face arguing that it should have been a penalty. But I think it was just emotions are running high at the end of a game when we were chasing an equaliser and, and everybody was just a little bit desperate. But for me, it wasn't a penalty. Well, you say everyone was a bit desperate. When the eight minutes of injury time came up, I mean, did you sort of get the feeling that there was a smell of blood in the air or did you just know it wasn't our day, Mr. Buckler? I thought we were going to equalise. I really did. Um, eight minutes, we were kind of camped out in their penalty area. We had one centre-half on the pitch with Tim Ream. We had um, we had uh, Cyrus Christie had come on. 
Um, Joe Bryan was the other defender, but then, like you said, Kamara had come on for Steven Seth. So we just kind of abandoned all all efforts of trying to defend and just threw everything at, at their goal. And I really thought it was going to come off for us. And it nearly did. Harry Arthur had a volley that was sailing into the top corner until somebody got their head in the way. And we had a, a series of corners and I, I just felt like we were going to get it, but it, it wasn't to be, sadly. Mr. Reese, I mean, do you think that, what, what are your predictions for, I mean, it's very early, of course, but what are your predictions for Forest this season? Do you think actually they could be pretty much amongst it in the playoffs? Because a lot of people underestimated them and they looked very, very good. And we mustn't forget that Lewis Graban is prolific at this level. And Joe Lolly, how he didn't get a move away somewhere else a bit higher in the table, I don't know. Maybe even the Premier League, some were talking about at some point, to Villa or something. But just, I'd like your thoughts of, you know, on Forest as a summer. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Aston Villa were you know were tracking him throughout the majority of the summer, but they just couldn't. You know, asking prices were too far away. And what it's also important to note is Nottingham Forest, as you know, good a start as they had. Bear in mind that their first game get first game of the season against West Brom, it was two goalkeeping errors that sort of let West Brom you know take the victory over there. Shot the spilled under Aram Aram Muric, and then a sort of cross come shot looped over his head, misjudged this whole thing. If it weren't for that, Nottingham Forest would be a lot higher up the team. They are a very good side. And let's not forget, they do have their best player from last year in Yao Carvalho coming back soon. So they are going to be, I said at the start of the season that I reckon Nottingham Forest could challenge for the top six. And I, st- I stand by that prediction. They've got a very good squad and a very and a manager who whilst not you know, experienced at this level, has managed um, Ren or Stavrene, however you wish to pronounce it. Uh, there's one for Adrian Durham right there. Um, uh, in the Europa League, he's managed uh, the Ivory Coast national team, and he's managed somewhere else before that, uh, somewhere somewhere over in Qatar. I can't quite remember the you know, the great managerial experience land of Qatar, all that stuff. But yeah, he's but he's no mug. Let's just let's just put it that way. And you no, know, his game management showed yesterday that they are a team that can go very very far in this division i'm not saying they're gonna you know challenge leads for a top uh, no leads for a top two spot but i very much i would be surprised if they didn't make the playoffs well let's talk about that top two spot really quickly before we get to the parker rating um so leads demolished stoke uh on saturday three nil and we've just seen Swansea destroy birmingham city three nil not that either of those teams at the moment are exactly powerhouses but i mean how worried, Mr. McClare, do, do you think, how many blips can we allow like Nottingham Forest to continue until we actually think, right, we need to, we need to really keep up with these two now? Plenty. Plenty. Because look at last time we were in this division. We were 17th in November and then we put together that amazing run and we almost made second. So there's so much breathing space in this division. Everybody beats everybody and... You know, all right, we've lost two out of the first five games, but we've we've won three. So um, I think we're fifth, are we? So there's no reason for panic at the moment. Yeah, I think, you know, there's it's it's something like that you're there's 139 points, I think, or 142, something around around those around that mark, you know, available. And most teams, you know, very rarely get above a hundred. So in, in theory, we've got about we we can afford to lose ten games in theory. Uh, mathematically. So, again, we can afford a couple more blips, as it were. So I'm not exactly in a mood to panic yet. I say emphasize the word yet. If we're still in the, if we're still coming across the stage in you know, November, December, 
then yes, absolutely. But not right, not when we. It's still August. Absolutely not. Yeah, and I think honestly, I think I'm just playing devil's advocate with that. I just feel a bit left out that you know Leeds and Swansea both tip for automatic promotion have won three nil. But I mean, we're just getting carried away because we won four nil over the week. I mean, there was a lot of Twitter. You know, enthusiasm that, you know, Parker's the new Guardiola, that, you know, Alfie Mawson and Tim Ream name a central partnership that's better. I mean, a bit OTT from a lot of our fans, bordering on a bit of arrogance leading up to this game. But there's, you know, there's no reason we have every right to be enthusiastic. We've got a great team and we had an absolute shitstorm of a season uh, last season. So we, we deserve to actually have some excitement. So screw it. Right. I'll just quickly... Speaking of Parker, Guardiola himself, I will get your rating now, Mr. Baldwin, for Scotty. Um, again, I'm not going to sort of criticise him too much, mainly because of the opposition that we're up against. Um, take, a, take a couple of points off for that whole three defenders that weren't three defenders at the back at the end, and I'll give him a seven. Let's be generous. I'll give him a seven. I was going to say seven as well. I thought I didn't think we played that badly, and I thought we really went for it. He tried to correct the mistakes, and on another day, I, I reckon, right, nine times out of ten, we win that game with that amount of possession. But this was just one of those days, and I think there'll be few and far between this season. So seven out of ten, and fair play to him for chucking everything at, at you know at their goal at the end as well, and taking off defenders and putting on attackers and, and going for it. Yeah, I think just a bad day. And, you know, Don Love made some really nice points, actually. He said, you know, the key is for Fulham not to go drastically changing our style or tactics from what Scotty's given us. I mean, we need to remember that last year, a major problem was Mitro not getting the ball enough for the final third, let alone in the box. Now, that has changed now with the attacking options that we have. And Mitro is seeing a lot more of the ball. And, you know, our wings along with the midfield are joining in more with the attack. So I, th I think, you know, we tried to rectify it. We couldn't. We made a mistake. It should have been. It, it shouldn't have been. We were the we were the worse team. But I think Scotty deserves about maybe a six and a half or a seven. So no need to panic just yet. All right, guys. Lovely stuff. All right. After this, we will have a little bit of a Southampton preview and a few extras thrown here and there. All right. See you in a second. Fulham. And welcome back. Now, before we have a quick Southampton preview, let's just quickly discuss the new contracts for Dennis Adoy, Stephanie Hansen, and Tim Ream and what this means for the future. I mean, I'll go to you first, Mr. McClare. I think this is uh, us covering our asses a little bit, basically, in case this season doesn't go as planned. But like I said earlier, players like your Hansen, I know it's only five games in, but they have shown that they are very, very able to do the business here. What are your thoughts on these extensions? I think the three players that have signed the new contract, uh, Ream, Adoy, and Johansson, are excellent championship players, but they're not cut out for the Premier League. But at the same time, I think what we didn't do well last season was keep the squad together when we went up. And if we were to go up this season, then I really think we, we need to keep as many of the players that, that are currently with us uh, in, in the squad and just add to that squad rather than completely dismantle it and start again. Um, so I'm pleased that they've signed new contracts. I think they will have big parts to play this season. And if we are to go up, then they will be uh, important parts of the squad. Yeah, you sort of you sort of took the words right out of my mouth, Richie, just to quote Meatloaf a little bit. Um, it is sort of, it's they're, they're championship signings. They are, if we don't go up, then they can do business for us you know, as, in an attempt to go up next year. And then if we do go up, you know, God willing, let's, 
again, not saying anything yet. But if we do, then there's enough of a contract length that we could sort of negotiate a, a reasonable fee for them. I don't know quite who's who would come in, who would come in for them, but it just gives us a little bit of flexibility that if we do go up, then we can make some money off them. And if we don't, then we've got a good you know, level of chat championship level players to form a base around to uh, make another challenge. And to carry on the meatloaf analogy, based on our conversations this week, we know you would do anything for love. Would you do that, though? <laughs> Those things are best kept in the uh, in the oh WhatsApp group. They, they are best kept there. Right. Let's, uh, let's move swiftly on. Um, <laughs> right. So let's quickly... Let's just really quickly talk about uh, Rui Font, um, who's gone back to Braga on a three-year deal. I mean... I, actually, I'm going to just play a little game with this one. Um, this pretend Rui Font's about to step onto a spaceship away from the space station, and you can just say one sentence to him, just one sentence as a goodbye. What would be the one sentence you would say to him, Mr. Reese? Remind me who you are again. All right, that's a bit rude. Okay, Mr. Beclair, you. Goodbye. Yes, and I think I would say. Um, Thanks for all your enthusiasm. And, uh, what, 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 yeah, can he's say, a, what can you say about him? What did it? What did he do? What did he do of any great benefit? He he was really good. I mean, I don't know. He was really good at sort of. He seemed like a really nice team player, but I mean, he also seemed a bit like damn right annoying with his Instagram chats. And so he seemed like he just used to get his phone in the player's face constantly and just be like, ah, "We're getting our photos taken." I don't know. We'll see. What What uh, about the the emphatic brace against Burton Albion? Yeah. Well, anyway, say that again. I, I said, what, what about mean? the emphatic brace against Burton Albion? I know everyone's forgotten. Oh it. yeah. Well, yeah. Well, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, everyone has forgotten it. Yeah. There we this go. Anyway, one. good luck, man. Was it? Wasn't that in a six-nil though? So didn't it really matter? It didn't matter. Or am I? Or am I getting? Well, his, or am I getting was. his emphatic goals mixed up? Of all three. <laughs> well, it was a six-nil <laughs> where he scored against PSG recently for Lille, I think. Oh, so he can play in the French League. It's not the same as the Championship, is it? That's another Adrian Durham line for you there. Look, thank you very much, Refund. Thank you. Thank you. We, we, full and focus. We, we salute you. We, we do. Honestly, we do. Right. Let's do a little preview of Saints. It's always... <clears throat> this sort of fixture seemed a bit, you know, it's a little bit meh, didn't it? I mean, we always seem to pay play Saints when it comes to a cup game and it's the Carabao. Look, I don't think we're going to win the Carabao Cup. I don't really think we should be even trying to full strength line up out. What are your thoughts on that, Mr. Beclair? Yeah, I disagree. I, I, I'd like to see us put out uh, a strong lineup, and I think we should, we, should, we should try and breed a winning mentality into this squad. And okay, we lost at the weekend, but if we put out 75% of a, a full squad against Southampton this week and they beat Southampton, then that's that's going to stand us in good stead. I know we probably won't because A, that's not the done thing in this day and age and B, we've got a, a big big game away at Cardiff um, on Friday night. But it doesn't mean to say that, uh, that, that we shouldn't. And I, I remember back to 1998 when we had Kevin Keegan as manager and that was back in the days when, at this stage of the competition, the um, the, the league cup was a uh, was two legs, and we drew with Southampton at home in September. Uh, I think Chris Coleman scored, and then then Southampton equalised, and then we had to go to the Dell. 
and uh, and Dirt Lehman got the winner there, and we beat them two one over two legs, and that that kind of set us up for another win against Southampton in the FA Cup in the same season, a win against Aston Villa, and then um, then we ended up getting knocked out of the FA Cup that year by Manchester United at Old Trafford. So I think these things can be really good uh, if if they're handled properly. We never take them seriously, but I really would like to see us take it seriously. Now, see, personally, I'm on the exact, I'm on the exact opposite end of the scale on this. Personally, yeah, I'm not, I'm not saying you know play the under, play the under 18s completely, but I'm just saying I'm not going to get too fussed if he puts out a weakened side, you know, weaker side, so to speak, and we get knocked out. If I'm you no, know, if say you know, uh, is, uh, I don't know, is it Crossdale Scott, Stockdale Cross, the kid, the Martel, Crossdale Taylor. Crossdale Taylor, thank you. I, once he gets, once he starts banging the goals, and I'll remember his name a lot better. Him, if he plays up front, I'm not going to get you know overly concerned about that. If Marek Rodak gets the game in goal, fine. I can sort of see the, I can see the rationale behind that. Um, plenty of you know rotation players can get a game. Bobby Reed can you know start, uh, can start from the off. Abubakar Kamara can play. I, I'm not going to get if he plays a full strength side, then then I'm completely fine with that. But if I'm just going to you know bash this, you know, push this to one side and say, yeah, I'm not I'm not overly fussed about this, if I'm being honest. Look, if we mix it up a little bit, I think it can't hurt, absolutely. Martel Crostel-Taylor would be very interesting to see as the starting striker. Um, maybe AK-47 will certainly get a starting a starting place. I think Knocker and Cavalera should get rested, perhaps maybe put on the bench. You know, we're going to get very, very tired this season. We need as much rest and much, you know, as much opportunity to get rest as we can for the for the players. Um, I'm just going to throw some stats at you because a bit of from the stato matter from our team. So Fulham, let's go look head to head. Out of the times we've played Southampton, Fulham have won 22 times. We've drawn 24 times, but Southampton have won 28 times. And the last match that we faced, uh, we faced Southampton at the Cottage was the season when it was actually Ranieri's first game, and we won the three-two victory which eventually led to the sacking of Mark Hughes, which was great. So I'm just looking at the stats here, and you mentioning Claudio Ranieri's first game, the 3-2 against Southampton. It's only just triggered my mind. I don't know if anyone made a big deal out of this when, when it happened, but the 2-0 away to Southampton was his last game. I just, think, I just think that's quite fascinating, that his Fulham career start has ended against the same opposition. Am I the only one that finds that fascinating? I'm pretty sure I am, just because I'm weird like that. Yeah, yeah, you are. Well. That was a bit rude as well, but never mind. I mean, look, let's look. I mean, actually, you speak of like the difference between Hughes and Hasenhutl. I mean, you know, their record. I mean, Hasenhutl has already done such a better, a better number with Saints than Hughes did, and it's just you know makes us wish that we actually been into Hasenhutl when we actually apparently rumoured have him as our manager. But uh, the key men last year for Southampton, stats-wise, were Nathan Redmond. He made uh, 43 appearances last year in League and Cup and scored nine and assisted six, and he was the top scorer for the Saints. But here's another one. Stuart Armstrong scored twice against Fulham last year. He scored four and assisted two all year, though, in 32 games. So Stuart Armstrong could be our bogeyman, as they say. So we'll see what happens there. But you've also got new signings. You've got Shea Adams, who will be, you know, facing another old championship team. He's just made the obviously promotion from the championship to the Premier League, and yeah, it just. We've also, you know, got the Danny Ings signing that's been made permanent by them. So it's it's going to be it's going to be a tricky game. I'm I'm sure that maybe we can get a result potentially if if we 
mix it up, like Matt Beclair says, and put a strong side out. I mean, Mr. Beclair, what do you think is the potential scoreline for this one? Oh, well, it really depends on how seriously Southampton take it as well, because I can't imagine they're going to put their full team out. So it's going to be Southampton reserves against Fulham reserves, probably in front of about 6,000 supporters. Um, it, it's such a difficult one to call, isn't it? I've, I've no idea. Um, I, the pessimist in me would say that we'll lose regardless of what happens. Um if we put a full team out, we've got a chance, but I can see us losing two nil. I personally, I could, I see, this, I could see this game going anyway. Personally, if we won again, and a lot of it does depend on what, on how, on how seriously both sides take it. Like if we put out a full strength C, uh, team and Southampton put out a weakened team, then I can see us winning clearly. If Southampton put out a full strength side, we put out a full strength side. I can see. I can see Southampton winning that. So it's all really going to depend on on the team selection. So I don't really want to make a bold a bold prediction, but I'll make a I'll make a weird one. I reckon it's going to go penalties. At the very least it's going to penalties. I think penalties come in at full time in this competition these days, don't they? Uh I'm sure they do. I don't yeah, they must do. Yeah, so it's going to be a draw then. Yeah, I if think they, they, yeah, they, they did. Do. I think they did in the last round. The only it's a shame because I would have liked to have seen Harrison Reed start, but he's on loan from Southampton, isn't he? So he's he's not going to play at all. But I can see us. Uh, I can see Kamara playing. I wonder whether Stephen Sessegnon will will carry on or not. I don't know. I don't know what's going on with Fossey. I'd really like to see him come into the team at some point this season as well. But I think Rodak will be in goal, um, and I think Kevin McDonald will play. But the rest of it. I, I wouldn't like to call, to be honest. I don't know. I don't know what team we're going to put out. Yeah, I mean, I think we're going to get a good clip around the ear and we'll get a 3-1 defeat, something like that. I think if Martel Crosdale taylor starts, he could get a goal in, which would be great for his confidence and potentially get him a little place on the bench in the coming season ahead. But we've got to, we've got to be rested. We've got to be smart. We've got Cardiff City this weekend, this coming weekend. We need to make sure that we are not burning ourselves out over a stupid Carabao Cup. And like, you know, just just on record, I hate the fact it's called the Carabao Cup and it's been called the Coca-Cola. I mean, like, why can't it just be called some like the League Cup? Do you know what I mean? Why does no one just call it that? Stupid, stupid sponsoring. All right, Grandad. Yeah, good grief. Moany, moany. Well, I mean... Fine, cut it out. Cut it out then. I don't know. I'm just, you I'm cut just it out. It. It's really hot. Anyway, <laughs> I will cut it. You cut it out. Right, let's just leave, let's leave it there. The heat's, the heat's getting to us. All right. Thank you very much to my co-host and thank you all for listening at home, listening to us do this podcast live in our pants this evening in the 30 degree heat. It is absolutely scorching. I hope Are you, you not naked? As much thought, as we do. I thought you said you were naked. I'm, I'm not. Oh, I'm not naked, no. I've been no, stitched no, no, up no. again. No, no, I've got... No, I'm sorry. I've only got my Berbatov whitey tighties on tonight. Oh, that's, that's a damning silence after that. My God. All right. Let's call it a day there, lads. Right. Thank you very much for listening. Thank you to my co-host once again. If you like what you hear, please, if you, if you still like what you hear after what I've just said, please keep us a mention on Twitter, but not what I've just said. Please follow us. Tell your friends about us. Keep listening to our podcast. We're on Apple iTunes. We are on Spotify. We're on all the sort of outlets that you can get podcasts on in the meantime let's hope we can get a result at saints and thanks for listening as always and come on you whites see you soon